Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. All right, welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 2, Episode 16. I cannot believe it. I got my main man, Daryl Black, in the house. Company Exigent, he'll explain that later, right? I've been waiting since the very first second that I thought of this, which I will completely blame on you in a second, to have you on this show, Daryl. So thanks for being here, brother. I'm so excited to be doing this today. Thanks for having me. And when you first fired it up, I, I was... Oh, no pun intended, I guess. But um, I was really excited. I was happy for you. And I am an avid listener. So it's not even cliche to say I'm legit honored, privileged, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. We'll kill that for you soon. But (laughs) so just just for all the folks out there that listen to this, I'm Adrian Lamb. Shout out to her. She has me on CBC World on Fire, right? So I do this podcast. Never heard of it. I'm in the CBC studios talking about the Slave Lake Fire a couple of times, right? You call me up one day and say, hey, you know what? I'm doing this podcast. So I've heard a podcast one time other in my life. And I'm like, it's you. So I'm like, I'm in, call me, right? We do that online and it was good. Had a great talk. And so Daryl's podcast is Lead from the Inside Out. So check that out. That's a beauty. And then this kid that I coached hockey called me up, Nick Von Walkerbarth, and he does the Von Dubcast. And and so his is kind of like a Joe Rogan style, right? Where he's doing a lot of monologues and has some cool guests in too. So we talk about the Slave Lake Fire and it gets crazy right it was a long one two and a half hours or oh something. wow after that was like okay now i've done these three podcasts i understand kind of what a podcast is so take it from there i phone you up and i say yeah so basically it's like hulk smash like how does this how, how does this work like i talk and then there's not a lot of wires and stuff and then it goes into something and then other people do something and then it ends up you know online or something that was basically folks where that's where we started with jamie coots and so the to conversation. Be fair, that's not the first time we ever had that conversation <laughs> oh that's we, true we did that about leadership we did that about searching that's, rescue. that's true we, we've yeah. had that exact conversation yeah and we'll talk about it a bit later so it was not new to me i was like okay all right i'll talk to jamie like he's five and even then <laughs> so i was more than happy to to help you out on the tech side and just how all it works so i'm really glad to see that it, it's doing well yeah well you can see all the equipment i basically just took all of your recommendations and bought exactly that you, you literally did yeah because it was okay what do i need so i put in an email and then next thing you know like two days later I'm like, oh okay i guess he bought all of it verbatim yeah that's good well because as soon as someone asked me a question i had that you know that blank look i get yeah i, I know that one <laughs> like when you're talking in a course that, that same look that's what i got well i'm just happy i can see the whites of your eyes because normally when i'm doing stuff it, i just you should just put felt marker on your eyelids on the other 
Coots is uh, back at it again. Oh no, this is going to be a long hour. All right, so so we get the equipment, we get it all set. I'm out, sorry, right? Chief Coots. I apologize. Oh, yeah, I apologize. Right. Hellfire Hero. Got Hellfire. it. Oh no, you're not going to start with that. Uh, this, this is going to be awesome. All right. So thanks. Honestly, seriously. Right. Like I started all this so that my grandson would grow up and have things to listen to. I talk about that often on the show and, you know, people are like, why do you do it? It must be expensive. It must be. I do it all for the people that are listening. I do it all for the people that come on the show. And I got to be honest, like, I mean, people that know me know that I'm not just saying this. I could care less if anyone listens to it. I just love sitting down with all my friends and all these wicked people and sharing what you all tell me about all these things that we're learning about together, leadership, fire, search and rescue, disasters, right? And so I've been super blessed to just go through my life and have all these wicked interactions with all these wicked people during some of the worst things that can happen on the planet, which just makes all of those interactions and all those friendships so much better. And it's really interesting because when you try to describe, if you ever describe your relationships in emergency services, emergency management, and all the rest of it, you're using words, but it's the emotional ties that we have to our sisters and brothers and you know, mental health and all the conversations that we, we have with folks. And it's really difficult to describe it. You know, like, like, hey, he's a buddy. Hey, I got bros too, right? And all that. But it, it's really different. And it's the type of relationships that you can see somebody 15 years later and it's a hug. And it's like this instantaneous kind of bond. And, and, and when I deploy, because people ask me all the time in terms of, you know, all the years I've been doing this gig, they're like, like why do you do it? You know, like you see the death and destruction, you see the worst in people. And, and, and the reason I do it is I see the best in people. That's why I do it. And so, yes, as difficult as some of the calls are and all the things which we'll get into, yes, I'm exhausted. Yes, uh, you know, I need some downtime. Yes, yes, yes. All of the things. Yes, you give 110%. But it's to the folks that you're right and your left. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're, we're alleviating you know, human suffering and saving lives and all that. But first of all, none of us would ever say that. You know what I mean? Like that's well, kind of, do. That, yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> but I'll tell you the ability to work with amazing people and the cliche around never be the smartest person in the room. And when I interact with folks like yourself and, and people in different deployments, different missions, I literally sometimes look around the room. I'm like, this is effing amazing. I love these people. Like, you know, I love being around these, these individuals, the, the individuals that the answer is always yes, you know, and then we'll figure it out anyways. So yeah, we'll tell so many of those yes, stories. Yes. Today. I mean, I couldn't agree more though. Right. It, it's just that I'm not embarrassed to say that you messaged me a couple days ago and said, Hey, I'm coming to Calgary. You still want to do a podcast. And I was like immediately giddy. I'm like showing Kirsten the messages. And of course we start shooting back and forth shots fired all over the place. Cause that's how we are. Right. And I was just like, I cannot wait to spend half a day with this guy, you know, doing the podcast, touring him around, going for lunch, doing all the things we're going to do. And, and yeah, like we haven't seen each other for months. What was breakfast at Denny's months yeah. and months ago yeah. was the last I, time. I right? probably had to pay because you're a cheap bugger. <laughs> yeah, but... Didn't we make Sarah pay? I think she was. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> the starving student. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, and then all of a sudden it's just like, boom, like I saw you yesterday and that's this stuff. Right. And, and it's why that I'm so excited to be doing this and, and to have you here today. So. And I will apologize in advance for this now having the quickest drop off of any listening episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I'm this bouncing. Upside down spike. <laughs> 
<laughs> Luckily, I don't ever look at that. I could get it. So yeah. it's, it's all yeah. good. Kason will still listen to that and think, oh, there's my papa. It's all good. Yeah. So like our history together, it's long now. It goes back there. And it's funny to me because we were probably on two of the most unlikely paths to ever cross into each other that there ever was. You're with Search and Rescue Alberta, up in the executive, the president. I'm working on a fire department, which like rarely intersects way back then, right? We won't put too many years on it. Both of us sitting here with our gray beards don't want to talk about it, right? All of a sudden, we're like talking to each other multiple times a week and we're on this collision course where we're going to sign up for search and rescue. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's always like, we really, in real life, should have never ended up being friends or work together. Yeah. And now we've got this long history where we've worked together so many times. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I, I enjoy about this world of ours is it's not based on years. It's based on experiences, you know, and people can go through a five-year friendship. But when you're going through things like floods and, you know, fires and all the things that, you know, we talked about a bit, your relationships are so strong. And so I, and it's such a bond that literally yeah, I, I could text and let's get her done. No issues at all on anything. And, so and I it's those that. ones that like you could call anytime. I remember when your book was coming out, you sent me this thing, your new book's coming out, one to 100 leadership solutions. I'm having this book signing oh, yeah. party or launch party. Launch party, yeah. And uh, so I went from that phone call straight out into the bay. I'm like, boys, Black Dynamite wrote a book. We're going. And everyone's immediately in, right? We load up that night, jump in the truck. We all roll into this uh, book launching, which probably didn't work out great for you because, of course, we're teasing you mercilessly. And we did get our signed copies. Thank you for signing them in crayon. (laughs) Well, just so we're clear, it was the crayons you guys didn't eat out of the package. All that was left. Yeah, it was all the yellow. Apparently, you guys don't like lemon. (laughs) (laughs) It's always about, like, being there for those people, right? And so many times. So... All right. We have so many stories to tell. Yeah. We better try to keep on track Sounds here. Sounds good, brother. So we're Search and Rescue Alberta. I'm Lesser Slave Regional Fire Service. One counselor there, Brian Roche, was really pushing us. He wants a search and rescue program. We're like, sounds good. Fits in with us. We're a big, anything goes. We're a big team there. And so we start talking to Search and Rescue Alberta. There's a bunch of stuff going on with Search and Rescue in Alberta. You have to put in an application. We've missed the deadlines, but in true fashion, you let us come anyways, because it's like, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. After talking quite a few times, we show up at this uh, annual general meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Roche and I, we've got our application. We listen to everything. We know 0% of what anyone in the room is talking about. Okay, we're going to review the applications before lunch. So you stand up and you knew some of what we wanted to do. Read through it. I stand up and say, hey, we want to do this. Okay, so who wants to vote for these guys? Because if if I may interject, like at that time, there's a huge amount of sensitivity in the Volunteer Search and Rescue Association and groups in general. The... uh, well, yeah, it could be animosity depending on who you talk to. Definitely a lot of sensitivity around the relationship between structural fire in the, you know, in towns taking, you know, mowing the lawn of the SAR groups and, and vice versa. And and really operational issues around body recoveries and rescue, like who does what and all of those other things. So it was a highly charged conversation. So huge amount of resistance. And then here's, uh, you know, Bo Honk lesser slave like hey we want to expand the the sar capability i'm like and you know the people that got it got it they're like that's a great idea it's not about the the badges and all that there's a lot that fire departments can bring to the table on a on a sar incident and whatnot so so you guys i remember even talking 
I don't remember what the topic was, but you know, you're looking around however many, I think we had 30 groups or something plus or minus at that time. And, um, I remember distinctly, it is it's so interesting what gets imprinted in your head, but two of these are not like the others. And those two were Jamie and Brian from Slave Lake. Like, honest to goodness, I remember you guys sitting there, seeing the whites of your eyes, because you guys were like, what is going on <laughs> no idea here? What was happening. No idea. And so you guys applied. and so, so then we got the probationary membership. Yeah. But I stood up and I said, well, we don't want the probationary membership. We want the full membership because I think we were talking about water rescue quite a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was things that we couldn't access or things we couldn't do as a probationary member. Yep, yep. And so I was like, we don't want that. We came here today to get the whole enchilada. And so, of course, everyone started talking in their SAR language and figuring it out. But you called a vote and sure enough. I mean, it wasn't unanimous, but we're in, right? And we're fully minted. We're in the search and rescue Alberta group now. So then lunch, it's like, okay, it's going to be lunch and we'll do the rest after. And we're sitting there. And of course, we we know no one. I know you just from some emails and phone calls, but I know no one else in the whole room. We get our lunch and we're sitting there. And like one after the other, the groups come over and they're like introducing themselves. We're shaking hands. And we start getting like, oh, welcome to Search and Rescue Alberta. You're, this is the first fire department that's in Search and Rescue Alberta. And Brian and I are like, what just happened? Like, no wonder we're square pegs in a round peg world. Like, what is going on here, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't really realize till after lunch when the next group came and wanted to get in. And they were like an actual search and rescue whatever group, I guess. And and they got denied and It did not go over and- well. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the contrast. I distinctly remember that. And which, once again, really spoke to your ability to cut through the BS and and be authentic and genuine, right? And that is one thing, if anyone knows Jamie Coots, what you see is what you get. As sometimes, <laughs> it, yeah, sometimes it's really complex. <laughs> Most of the time it's it's fairly straightforward, but, but I think that really came through even in that conversation around. You've always been really good at the relationships and figuring out, not from a, well, political way, I suppose, but not a manipulative way is probably a better way of putting it. And uh, it's like, who do I need to talk to? And I'll, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Like, who is the person? Who are the people, right? Because none of this BS back I don't know forth. who they are. Yeah, yeah. right, right, Find right. Find me them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So bring, <laughs> bring them to me. Because <laughs> I'm a big deal. I'm Jamie Coots. Oh, <laughs> so I, I think that really, really shone that particular day. And then for all these years, I, again, just want to commend you for your ability to, to be mission-driven. That's a lot harder to do than it sounds like. Right. So we get in. We kind of go our separate ways. We tell the story our way a whole bunch. I'm sure Search and Rescue Alberta has a whole bunch of people talking about it as well. But then we're not ones to move fool around. So we kind of immediately call you and be like, hey, we need this search and rescue basics, whatever that is, right? We, we don't even know. And so we somehow just pick you to be our main instructor. And so you start coming to Slave Lake a couple times a year to do different things. And so what I remember distinctly is how you got your nickname Black Dynamite. I don't know if you remember this or or how it all transpired, but we were doing our search and rescue basics course we're in the fire service. We're big, like we're always teasing each other and on each other. And we basically forget that everyone is not a firefighter and we just treat everyone like that. So we were on you like white on rice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bullying, intimidation, belittling. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. Yeah. Reading his book. There's a whole section of hurt feelings. Here. And so 
every time we would have an idea where you'd be talking about something, we would make it fire. And you would come along with your search and rescue stuff and blow it up. Every idea we had, every topic we had, you were just blowing stuff up all, all day long for us, kind of retraining us to think differently. And so we decided that uh, your nickname was going to be Black Dynamite. <laughs> And then what did you get? Do you remember what you got? Uh, hard hat. So was it uh, was it Wade? Somebody did a sticker or something, if I recall. Yeah. So I got a uh, a hard hat with a big headlamp on it and a black dynamite sticker put on it. I think, which was incredibly impressive logistically because it was like the next day or exactly. like you know, that. Well, that's the fire service, right? We have an idea. There's no amount of money we won't spend. No amount of hours we won't put towards. An idea, even if it's just for a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and, so. and, and I also appreciate fire courses because no one cares about the course. It's what's just, so you know, we've ordered lunch. This is what we're going to be having. We're going to have Caesar salad. We got some pasta. Hey, logistics, in, logistics. That's right. I'm like, man, oh man, this is so good. Cause SAR, it's like, here's your, here's your granola bar and you like your power bar. Your right. expired MRE that <laughs> yeah, we got from the military. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And some canteen water. <laughs> I remember the first time someone brought us an MRE and they're like, here's it. No, 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 no. That's we, not how we, we roll. want to know. Anyways, we'll talk about that because very next course that I can remember taking was um, SAR management. What's, yeah. the, what's the actual name? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh managing lost person incident or there's various titles of it because a big part of it. And this is where you, you recognize along with the RCMP relationships and whatnot that you need the ability to coordinate and manage these types of events. So that was the next evolution. So we we accelerated that as well because I think at that time it, there was a big gap in the province for that geographic area. So for yeah, there was there was nobody around to yeah. be a search manager. Yeah. So so we start this course right, and so we've all taken all our fire courses. Most of us have tons and tons of medical courses. We've taken this basics course, mm -hmm. which was mind blowing, huge thick textbook, bigger than any textbook yeah. we got on fire. Right? Were you reading it on the way for hockey, or what was it like? You were coaching or something, or maybe it was a search management manual. I don't remember what it was, but you were actually reading it on a bus. At least you told me probably just to make me feel better about my life. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. Go around trying to make you feel better. <laughs> that sounds right. Well, mission not accomplished by the way. I, I suffer a lot of small T trauma from our conversations. Yeah. So I, I remember that because the call like yeah. So we have the search management thing. We've gone through the basics. We've we've actually used it a few times, right? They've had to send us search managers and our team's getting built, right? It's uh, mostly new people to the team, a few firefighters that are interested, a few police and EMS, but mostly like new people to the organization. So it's going good. We got these really super crazy excited. Charvetch is in on it right from the start. Connie's in on it, right? Kelly Harleton. There's this group that are like super dialed in. And we decide we're going to have this search manager course because we don't want to have to bring someone in every single time. So the police are there. We're there. Maybe there's eight or 10 of us. Mm -hmm. I get this phone call, which I think is for lunch. So I immediately take it because, mm -hmm. of course, I go downstairs and it's the Valley View staff sergeant calling to see if we could, our new group could come and help find a lost little boy with Down syndrome that had walked away from his property. I thought it was a joke. I literally thought... Mm -hmm. Oh, this guy's good. Like he he got someone that sounds like a staff sergeant that talks like a staff sergeant to call me and lay this on deep, right? Like I'm taking notes and I call him back and it's like RCMP. This and I was like, wow, like this. He really has some friends in high places. So it goes back and forth. Finally, I'm like, 
I should go back upstairs because everyone thinks I'm just like getting lunch. This shouldn't take that long. And I go back upstairs and I kind of tell you what's going on. And you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, let me know what's going on. And this guy calls back and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so I say to you, can we go? Like, this is kind of what we're here training yeah. on. Yep. Because that, that, yeah, yes, that was Monday, right? That was, <laughs> yeah. it's a five day course. I remember even when you went, because Char came up to get you because there was a phone call. And so you went down the stairs and uh, ha ha ha. Oh, do you imagine if it's a call? Yeah, yeah, that'd be funny. Sure enough, it was. I remember our conversation. And, you know, this is where going back to that mission, like, why are we here? We're not, and don't get me wrong, training's critical, obviously. But at the end of the day, it's it's a kid, they're missing. And that's why we're here. So it's not up to us to say why we shouldn't, because the reasons are numerous. Our job as as responders and, and in this world is to say, yes, heck yeah. You know, and so I remember just literally just shrugging my shoulders and I'm like, all right, on the job training, let's do her. And I think it was uh, Jason, longest last name that starts with P, pancreatitis. Oh, yeah, yeah pancre- pancreatitis <laughs> or whatever, Jason. Just kidding, Jason. Um, you know, and I looked at him because he's got wildfire. So I thought, okay. And I think the other interesting thing was in my head, we're going to support the agency because there was a search manager on site already from Valley View. So I thought, oh, good. We're just going to go and, you know, be a ground resource. So what else? So, so I loved your face through all the next 20 minutes of this. So as the big fire machine kicks together, yeah. right? A few SAR members come in, but we hook up all of our side-by-sides, our trailers, our trucks, our, our big command trailer. And like in 20 minutes, while you're just like trying to, hyper coach us through this yeah and then we jump in and then we're a fire department which yeah. is unusual yes for your world. and search around i was thinking about this on the way in too this could offend a lot of sar people and i apologize in advance sorry not sorry but sar is not an emergency service it's an urgent service so you know as much as the conversations around lights on sar vehicles and all that stuff rescue absolutely is an emergency so if you're a sar group that does but the search part itself it's urgent it's not an emergency per se. And, and at this point, we don't know this. Correct. So we're yeah. in the trucks, buck 40, lights, yeah. sirens. We go down. And to us, it's just a missing kid and they've called us. So we treat it like every other call. Yeah. And when we went through High Prairie, which the main highway goes right through town, yeah. four yeah. sets of lights, yeah. Yeah. we're this big train of, I think, four vehicles. Oh, trailers. yeah. When we got there and you're talking about it, there was one other lady that was actually a search and rescue lady. And she was like just distraught that we had done. Yes, that. absolutely. <laughs> she couldn't yeah, get over it. Yeah. And you're like, man, it was so cool. We got here so fast. We, I think we got to the site in like a minute and fifteen minutes, which was a much longer trip typically. And we get there, and it's a a guy from a, an RCMP member that's the search manager. Yeah, he's having trouble. Yeah, and I knew we were quote unquote in trouble when. He walked up to us and I had trained him. I had done search management courses for him. It's a small community, as you know. He's like, oh, good. You're here. I'm like, well, (laughs) yeah, but I'm not, I'm hypersensitive to taking on anything that's like mowing somebody's lawn and I'm not the only game in town, the whole thing. So I was fully, like, I was just going to support wherever. And so I think, so where is the search manager? Well, he's out grid searching out in the bush around the, the acreage. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And then, you know, so quickly realized that 
oh, I guess it's us. Like, I guess it's me and I guess it's Jamie and I guess it's Jason. Now they're going to be running this thing. So really interesting. Now, all of that said, the other interesting thing too, because you, you ripped me, although just on the surface, but deep down, deep respect for me, I'm sure, chief. You know, I was going through my manual on the way, if you recall. And because to me, I'm just getting a refresh for lost birth behavior and all those other things. And so, you know, you get there and, and our job is to bring order to chaos and it, it's to actually diffuse the situation as much as we can. And it was good. It was just like anything. It, okay, well, I guess now the expectations were running this thing and that's great. And then I also, one thing that, that really stood out there was uh, there were like a zillion kids running around that acreage, at least a zillion. I don't know if that's an exaggeration, but it felt like a zillion. Our calculator doesn't go that high. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, once I took my shoes off and I was like, I'm out, I've lost count. I don't know if you remember this, but we were, he was eight years old and there was a kid running around in a Batman costume. I think you and I looked at each other because just think, you know, 10 hours, kids run all over and our kid is wearing a Batman costume. Like it wouldn't be the first time something like that had happened. You know what I mean? Like, so I remember, hey, Batman. And this kid comes running up. I grab his mask. I lift it. No. That's not you. Go That's away. not you. Yeah. Go away, Batman. <laughs> I still remember from that one, like that was probably one of the most complex searches mm -hmm. with the most resources that I've ever been on. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, we had horses, we had yep. uh, untrained responders that we were giving areas to we had trained we had the rcmp dogs there was two of them there because jace pancreato was with us all of a sudden we had a helicopter and the yep. fire smart crew went up in the helicopter then there was a private helicopter yeah, yeah. that showed up yeah some farmer that had some money had a helicopter and then we had the quads and the trucks and the and you're setting out the grids and we're sending out hundreds of people yeah. trained and untrained to do all of these different things we're trying to hang around with you and kind of learn what we can learn, but it's like one of these like super chaotic, lots of resource things. And then we get the, okay, this is the fireman coming out in me and the guy's like, uh, okay, lunch is ready. And it was the people had homemade hot dog buns, yeah. hot dogs from their freezer. That's and soup, right. And that, the poor right. family was supposed right. to feed the hundreds of us. That's right. Yeah. And so I lose my mind, mm -hmm. right. In my true fashion. And call the the big boss the staff sergeant and be like what is going get us food right and this is our first real kind of search out of our own area mm -hmm. and he's like oh no they're gonna provide food so we don't provide food and like so now i could like we're not gonna get money for gas we're not gonna get food we're not gonna get any provisions we're not gonna get we can do anything as long as it's free yeah and i was like exactly oh, right that's exactly. what it's like when you leave your area to yep. someone else's area mm -hmm. and so I just immediately called some people I know in Valley View, ordered up dozens and dozens of pizzas, threw out my credit card number, and an hour later, we're eating the way we're used to. Right? Yep, yeah. It's not a disaster without pizza and orange pop. So I'm we, into that. I'm into that, that brother. Coming, right? The only thing missing were like chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> which, you know. We learned about later. Yeah, right, exactly. We had to get an oven put into the trailer. Yeah, yeah, that's an advanced <laughs> skill. We were crawl, walk, run. But I also recognized too, so from my perspective, like Jason was ops- even though he didn't know anything about SAR, but that doesn't matter because I'm there to, you know, give that color to it. But logistics, right? Where, and I also wanted to recognize too, there was no posturing, you know, that that's often typical of, especially going into another area and stuff. And and that's where, you know, once you can find your people 
And it was just like, what needs to be done? Like, I literally don't care if you want me to park cars. Like, I don't care. And so having that ability and having those people around you. So for example, so Jamie, your logistics. Okay. I'm your guy. Like whatever needs. And then away, away you go. I got a phone. I got a list. Exactly. Of people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then one other point too, with that search, because the, the boy was, was found successfully. So I want to you know, be very clear on that. And that was a whole, whole conversation. But I don't think I've ever told you this part of it. I knew the fire department was different. I knew that before, but this is what happened. So the local fire department, once word came in that the boy was found, and that came in through unofficial channels, small community and all the rest of it. But so there was like a number of side-by-sides. By this time, it was nighttime. Air services was up, RCMP, and they were um, they had the night sun on the kid just through various communication challenges with frequencies and all that other stuff. Very information was hard to come by. So the air services was kind of bouncing between the instant command post where we were and the kid and another area. I knew we weren't in Kansas anymore when, okay, the kid's found. Next thing you know, two fire departments side-by-sides rip out of the yard, eight RCMP cars. I didn't even know there were eight on the property, honest to get. I'm like, okay, there's two, four, five. Well, an ambulance, like all hell breaks loose. And this is the best part. The first side-by-side goes out of the yard, hangs a right. Our kid was to the left. I know this. And I'm now watching this. It's like popcorn. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. Because you've got now 12 vehicles that have turned the wrong way. And so lights and sirens, the whole thing. And then sure enough, you can see this through the trees on the road, you know, side by side stops and everyone had stopped. And then it's like Austin Powers, like, shoot, now we got to turn around. And so all of these vehicles doing, you know, 10 million point turns. So yeah, it ends up going, getting a rip through there and, you know, got the kid and everything like that. But I knew, I was like, oh, okay, okay. This is the culture of fire, right? And I think that over the years, what is it? Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. You're better off spending a bit of time up front. Like it would have taken us two minutes, one minute to say, okay, let's pump the brakes on this. Here's where, you know, just doing the whole thing. But Part of the learning curve. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, that was absolutely right. Oh yeah. And then, then the other thing too was uh, the first side-by-side and, and I'm not, I hope I'm not being disparaging. It is what it is. First side-by-side gets there and it didn't even, it had, didn't have a first aid kit or a medical kit on it or anything Whatever like that. Was, yeah. yeah. Like, so not if there was. Up for the wilderness. No, 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 no. If there was a, a fire that broke out, then for Crush sure. It. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely would have crushed it. So anyways. It's so good. And I mean, that one, because it happened right after our basic course and during, right? So then, yeah, it starts raining at night and we're just trying to figure out whether we're going to call it and start again the next yeah. day. Obviously, some people were going to stay out and keep searching, but not the hundreds that we had there. And then, yeah, word comes in that he's located and and not that far away in areas that we had searched, right? And, and so we're like, well, I don't know if it could be our kid. Is it someone else? And he finally ends up back half-dressed, at the staging center it's him everybody's excited and we go home it's raining it's dark it's a pretty quiet ride home right mm-hmm. like everyone's tired out and the next morning we get to go right back into it and each lesson each powerpoint slide each discussion is so powerful because we've seen it yeah like a hundred percent seen it the day before yeah and so like to me one of the best courses i'd ever taken right like it was so hands-on and classroom and discussion oriented that we there was 
Like, how could you not learn from that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great experience. And just sort of clear, not all organizations, even from my own perspective, would I have been comfortable with, right? Because a lot of times you get folks that know enough to be dangerous. So very quickly, there's an assessment done. And so, yeah, you know what? We can do it. We can make this happen, right? We'll, we'll teach you the whole rest of the course on the truck on the way there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll talk about it for the next four days. So, you know, after that, I mean, you, you were our guy. So now we're doing ICS courses. We're doing uh, all of these different kinds of courses that were coming. I think the only one that you maybe missed was the 400, which was yep. a whole different crapshoot that I'll talk about some other yeah. time. But, and so we did all of these courses. And then, of course, all things happen, right? And so 2013 happens. Mm -hmm. We'd gone through 2011, did some more training. We get to 2013, big floods. And so now we're fire department guys with some experience in big events. We're search and rescue team. So we've got boats and trailers. And and so we get the call from Siksika First Nation, Mm -hmm. which we'd been lobbying to get. And so can you come? And so we take half fire people and half search and rescue people and build this team. And we go there for two weeks and we're doing this. We're calling you throughout. You mm-hmm. and Kelly Harleton are talking almost daily and and you end up in High River. Yeah, yeah. I was in Calgary for a bunch of time with Task Force 2 and then we were deployed to High River. Yeah. So we get the call to say, okay, we're, we've done what we can do in Siksika First Nation. Now we want you guys to go to High River. And so we're like, oh, oh, okay. But like, we don't really know anyone there. So just, hey, go do what you guys do. So we show up in High River and I walk in the door and it's like, what are you guys doing here? Who sent you? We don't need you guys. And so we talk through that and, oh, well, you're from Slave Lake. Okay. You know, you've been through some stuff. We'll let you stay, have lunch with us and clean up. And the chief comes to me and he says, man, I just, I have no luck. Like I, I, I'd have kicked out of the EOC. Mm, I can't get in there. That's I, right. I can't uh, get these maps. I need these maps. And I, and I was like, okay, well, let, let me go down there. Like there's a chance that I know somebody there mm-hmm. from all of our dealings, right? There's knowing and still being liked by. So those are two different. I would just encourage you to good, say, okay. Good to clarify. Good, good to clarify. Because this exact story would be told many different ways. And so I get there and we can't get in because security stops us. But as they're walking by, the green vest walks by. And it's Daryl Reed from Strathcona County, who's the incident commander. So I'm like, hey, Daryl Reed. Mm-hmm. He comes back. Boom. We're through the security checkpoint, right? We walk in. We don't know where to go. So we're like, oh, okay. Well, hey, here's planning. Let's stop in and they're going to have maps. They're going to, we walk in. You're standing there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Hey, Daryl, what's up, buddy? Yeah. My first thought was, okay, that somebody left the door open. <laughs> Right. How did security? <laughs> we got somebody fire security. Yeah, make a note. Get rid of contract security company. So we talked to you. You, you got to take off to a meeting, of course, and and talk to your team. So then we go to logistics, which is chock full of ESRD people, right? And so all these forestry folks, and so Leah from Slave Lakes there, mm-hmm. and there's another lady there from Lacklebish that we know, and everything's going on and. And so now we've talked to you and found out how we can get maps and why we need them and what's going on with the plan. We've got the whole operational tempo catch up thing. We go to logistics and they jump us right to the top and print our maps while we wait. Mm -hmm. We went over to the RCMP where there's three or four Mounties that we know from the Slave Lake fire that's right. And so now we've got caught up from them. And so this whole EOC trip, we come back with all these maps. Mm -hmm. We've got all the operational documents and we come to the fire hall and kind of drop it on the table and the chief's like, oh, 
you guys can stay for supper now too. <laughs> it was like an EM scavenger hunt, really, <laughs> right? Like, and that also speaks to though, your reputation's everything. You know what I mean? It and is, yeah. and because you don't leverage it necessarily, but I know a guy, right? I know a guy or I might know a guy or what. And if you're quote unquote an a-hole, I'm not going to put my neck out. I'm planning section chief. We're in charge, quote unquote, of GIS and all that. I'm not going to go to bat for somebody that will, with all due respect, like you go in the queue and it's not a power trip by any stretch, but it's, it's, you know what? Good people. I've got all the time in the world for, and knowing that you're there to help and you're there for the right reasons and the whole nine yards. We're trying to support this poor fire chief that just wants a few maps. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually remember too, because, you know, even I think it was for hydrant locations and all of the things, which to that point was not a product that had been produced, you know, walking to GIS, Hey, we got this and knowing GIS people, right. More than happy to pump out a map. That has a billion things. Yeah, on absolutely. It. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's not part of their need the space station guys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Although put it on there. The ISS cool. just, yeah, it is kind of cool. So they're more than happy to help with this. And so just connecting, you know, it's all about connections and whatnot. So I, I was very happy to help and everyone else was. And, and so, yeah, you guys go back and it's no big deal. Yeah, of course, we got to stay for a couple of weeks and, and got to work with them. And But it was just so fun and kind of a piece that I even forgot when I got to the parking lot and I wasn't even walking to security yet. And Terry Jessman, one of the mm. forestry guys, mm-hmm. was the ops chief. He yells across the parking lot, I'm just going up on a flight. You want to come with me? Yeah. Like I'd been in town for 15 yeah. minutes, yeah. right? Like, And so to me, that was Slave Lake was a big event happening in our, our own hometown. And, and you got to see a lot of people. But I mean, it gets pretty messy when it's your own hometown. So this was the first time that we were kind of out of that bubble and helping someone in there. Because it was only two years later. Right. It was 2013. It's not like it's not like a decade has been barely a decade to build our team and and get our stuff going. Right. And so got to work through all of that and fun to see all those people again. Mm -hmm. Right. Sad circumstances, but still a fun time to go there and, and see everybody and go through this stuff. And then because, you know, people in each of those things, you can ask them questions without feeling inadequate or dumb absolutely right it's like yeah you you can skip the whole i don't know if this is a dumb question yeah there's no posturing or any of that other stuff too right Right. the other thing that's difficult for a lot of people to understand is it's literally good to see your friends again you know what i mean there's a hug there's a hey how the f are you yeah and we all have skill sets absolutely right so someone might look at me and have an idea of what they want me to do and they'll look at someone else and so i'm in there i show up and i'm like daryl reads the ic Makes sense to me, yep. right? Yep. Oh, Daryl Black's a section chief for planning. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, everywhere yep. I went, you know, uh, Terry Justman is the ops chief. Like there's all these things where you're just like, well, this is probably going really well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's going to take a second to find out where we fit, but this is probably going to be an awesome event because everybody that's in all these jobs are people that we know that are like the top of their trade. Mm-hmm. It's fun to go in there and be part of something that's going that well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we certainly have been part of operations that you walk into it. And the other part too is like, Hey, I'm just going to go in and I'm getting out. Like I'm going to grab a map. <laughs> even if it means I'm just going to Google maps, printing it off. Cause I don't want any part of this shit show. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. when you can walk into a big operation with the exception of myself, very capable, competent people. It's a great experience to be part of, right? And unfortunately in Alberta, as you know, we have had our share of incidents for More sure. More than our fair share. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
so after that, again, we learn stuff and we're, you're coming up all the time doing these training sessions. Uh, 2015 ended up being the year where we had Wabasco just woke up burnt off. Yeah, the right. We had those eight train derailments in our <gasps> subdivision. So yep. that was like a constant, but one was right in the middle of town. Yeah. And so you're kind of on my speed dial all through these years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what I appreciate about it too, is the ability. And I wanted to thank you for the opportunity. These aren't actually all technical conversations we're having in fact very few of them are with the exception of like chuck egg for example yeah, right but for the most part it's like hey we got this going on and you were always open literally open and i was i was always taking a position of hey here's here's an approach to it or whatever and you were always always open to that that's what i always found about it because the one thing we miss in any course we can teach ics we can teach leadership but it's that human factor part of it it's the the politics it's the personalities you know the the turf time and money conversation <laughs> yeah. right that happened. Turf, time, and there money. you go yeah yeah so i listen to your podcast <laughs> there's a test later <laughs> right. kirsten is the one that put it together i can only assume you know i i really valued our our conversations and again just being able to reach out acres emergency vehicles a message from our community a person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres emergency vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres emergency vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. So you were talking about Chuck Egg. So let's kind of give the before that, right? So we're going to do the strike team leader course. Right. Right. And so we're the fire guys. We work a lot with forestry, but always under their direction. We're not on their incident command teams. Right. And so we've worked for a lot of teams that have been in charge of us and used a lot of terminology, strike team, task force. Right. We're going to have most a of it incorrect. Level one team or level blah, two blah, team. Blah. Or, yeah. And there's all these things. And so. We're now, we've been through ICS 100, 200, 300. We're going to do the strike team because we're trying to help the Alberta government set up these wildland urban interface teams. So we want to learn more. And so you come out and we're going to take this three-day course on strike teams and uh, task forces mm -hmm. and the difference. We get about halfway through day one and I dead stop you <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Right. And you know what's coming next because yeah. you're... Right. And I'm like, I am not taking one more step down this educational trail without learning the difference between groups and divisions That's and right. task force and strike teams and on and on. This binder's full of acronyms that I don't understand and processes that I don't know where we fit in. You like look at me, you get that smirk that you always get and you're like, OK, let's go through it. And every one of us, there was about seven or eight of yeah. us in the course. And everyone's like, oh, thank God. No kidding. We're finally going to learn what this yes, stuff means. Yeah, right? yeah. Even that far into your quote unquote ICS. And trust me, I totally get it. And that's the push and the pull of covering the content versus not and all the rest of it. And those are the best conversations. And that's where coming across somebody with operational experience who's also a facilitator is worth their weight in gold, right? Because they have the ability to translate or at least 
they should have it. So once again, and by that point, as a trainer and all that, we're friends, we can sit down and we can, let's have the conversation. Right. Yeah. And if we don't understand, we could just stop you. And so the rest of that day, we're basically back and forth until we become very comfortable with the material, how it's going to work and how it's going to go. Rest of the course goes good. Right. And that first day, maybe not that much about what we were there to learn, strike teams and task forces, but that building block, all the things we learned before, it's kind of like having a fuzzy picture. And then all of a sudden someone brings it into focus. Yeah. Now we move forward. Yeah. Right. So you were talking about Chuck Egg up in, in high level. And so we get that call four o'clock in the morning. Rodney calls, says, Hey, you know, can you come up here and help? And and I'm like, Yeah, Ryan and I packed up last night. We got the truck at home. Like, we'll be there in four hours. And this is like two weeks after our strike team or, 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 less, or like, I think it was last year. Because we're heading into spring. And yeah, that's, that's right. Why we're trying to get this done, right? Yeah. And so we get up there and and Rodney's got his clipboard and he's trying to sort it out, right? And the generator's running in the bay behind mm-hmm. us. And and I was like, hey, you know what? We just had Daryl up. If there's one thing I should be able to do, it should be to help you set up a winning scenario here. All right. And so we go upstairs into the nice quiet room and I start drawing it out and I call you mm-hmm. and I was like, no, I texted you. Texted, and I was yeah. like, hey man, do you got a couple minutes to look at some stuff for me? I'm up in high level. Your answer is always the same. It was probably some snide remark about how you're going to teach me something. It was probably respectful. <laughs> okay. Don't put, look, I can't be responsible for how you receive a message. So I take some pictures of this and I shoot it off to yeah. you. Yeah. And then uh, Rodney and I just put on speakerphone and call you up and, mm-hmm. and we're like, this is what we're thinking, right? We got like 150 people coming up here today from all these different communities and agencies. Is this right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you right there, take this chance to coach us on, mm-hmm. you know, some more of this stuff we were talking about. And so between the three of us, we actually set up this format, right? Yep. This group of ideas that are going to run us through the whole thing. And we never altered that that was on day one. Yeah. That's always the interesting thing too. And and in my own experience, I now have learned if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I knew again, like I'd said earlier, spending a bit of time up front, what does right look like early? And then just riding that, that wave there too. So I loved our conversations because again, you know, we're, we're brainstorming We're there's many different ways we can do this. Here's some advantages and disadvantages, but all three of us, thinking the same thing, you know, what is the best way of doing this? And regardless of any politics or what, like, what does this look like? And how does it scale all the things? And I remember to even um, getting screenshots, like you were taking pictures and I would like give you on the job virtual, you know, God, Hey, you know, it might be a good idea and all that. I had to completely ignore my son at that time. <laughs> so he's, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, you, no, you're not sorry. I was like, dude, Daddy's uh, saving lives remotely. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And because every time we'd stop, we'd do like a briefing with the team, right? The management team that's up there. And and then I'd take some pictures of it. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, what, why are, what are you doing? Why are you always taking pictures of this? It's right there on the board. Yeah. And, Did you ever say? And as a, no, you're probably like, no, no, oh, no, no of course. come on. Because Rodney and I had both talked to you. And so we were like, no, I'm just sending this off to Daryl to make sure this is what we talked about. And Look, I get you're saying that now, but at the time it was about the glory. <laughs> yeah, and I'm okay. It's not about glory with me. Well, CTV was there. Okay. <laughs> well, because you're a big yeah, deal. Right. Yeah, because you had called them. Hey, I'm deploying. Cause, yeah. Because it was the only way people would listen to me. Daryl said. <laughs> <laughs> so it was great. We, I mean, we got through that whole thing. All of that training that we'd done and all of those exercises and we left a few out that we'll go back to kind of leads you up to that 
where you finally, oh, we get it. We set something up. We worked as a group. And even as the, the EOC got bigger and pulled us more and more into that, we were so dialed in mm-hmm. that we were able to say, well, no, this is how we fit into yours. And, and even the forestry guys had a level of being impressed that we hadn't seen before where they're like, yeah, we like what you're saying there. Good yep. setup. Because mm-hmm. usually they're so good at it that yep. you always feel embarrassed when you talk to them, right? Yeah. But they were on board with it and and just scooped us up and put us right in there. And it was pretty seamless. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was one of the first WUI, the Wildland Urban Interface kind of structural protection branch and whatnot, where it was actually part of the organization. And it was it was entrenched, it was recognized, it was organized, it was all of the things. Unified command at the top. Yeah, had all yeah. That. And, and I mean, it took some time to get to there, mm-hmm. but our little piece of it, structure protection, fit right in like a Lego block that just, yeah. oh, wow, I got the right one. Yeah, and kind of, it just made sense, finally. It's like, okay, this is what it's supposed to and be. And because we had put in that effort at the start, they mm-hmm. were happy to just leave us alone. Exactly, yeah which yeah. is important when you're dealing with a bunch of type A hard hitters like that. And yeah. so it was fun. So thanks. That was one of my you know, best memories of where the training immediately turned into yeah. the reality of what we were doing. But I want to go back to some really fun times that you and I have had together over the years <laughs> doing the EMX. So, so the uh-huh. emergency management cross training, we did it in 13, we did it in 15. And then in 17, we kind of Like we're Babe Ruth hitting home runs all day. And then we kind of, we haven't done it since, but that one was 38 agencies, 450 people, three days long. Yeah. You took the hit because you're the the paid guy. So you got the hit there. and Underpaid. The the East DOC. For this particular one, I will actually agree with you. You're running the EOC for three days, mm-hmm. right? I'm out doing ops in the field, kind of being Dr. Chaos, which was always my more favorite part. Yeah, We've got the armies there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Camps right. outside. Oh, the, my gosh. Yeah. And there's these pieces that no one's forestry shows up like they always do. They got the helicopters. and Lots from the municipality, the, the town, the county. Town. Yeah. Well, all around us. Yeah. Right? So 30 some agencies. We have Fish and Wildlife. We have police. We have CVE. We, we've got just every agency is there. 450 people. We get through the whole thing and everybody learns more than you can even imagine. And at the very end, we had decided... We had enough money left over. And I think the firefighter society kicked some in and we got those dueling pianos. <laughs> and so there we are in the fire hall. Oh, All the yeah. trucks are pulled out. We're having this big banquet, dueling pianos in the oh, middle of the that's fire right. hall. 38 agencies, probably 300 people stayed to actually take in the banquet. <laughs> yep. And I remember you and I, let's just say we probably had a couple pops. Yep. And we're looking out over all of this going, what? Like, what did we do here? How did we survive uh-huh. this? How did we get all these people to work and, together? And, and not to toot our own horns, but oftentimes on an exercise or whatever, it's like, oh, this was BS. This is a waste of my time. Or I now know not less than I knew coming into this and all the rest. And, and I think our attitude has always been when we've worked together, meet them where they are. You know, the book says this, the, the theory says that and all that. But they are where they are and let's meet them there and then figure it out. And I think that those whole three days were running and gunning, you know, <laughs> and me pumping the brakes on Jamie Coots. No, Jamie, the 747 is not going to crash in the EOC today. All right, okay? don't take any more of Daryl's calls. He's <laughs> yeah. trying to stop us. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's holding us back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, oh. is that a 737 body on that truck headed our way? I actually need that too. 
But it really was like that. And and again, we built that up from small to large. And we were always such a good team doing those things. And I think when you enjoy what you do and you enjoy each other's company, you enjoy the people you work with, like that is, that's infectious. It absolutely is. And the dueling pianos and one of your star guests, Mr. McConnell, riding the, uh, the floor cleaner, <laughs> for example, running a rodeo. But anyways, I, I know he's been on your podcast a million times and I don't want to be disparaging, but <laughs> or the the military guy that said he wanted to sing "Burning Ring of Fire" to yes. kick it all off, yeah. and everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> what? The? Yes. And he gets up there and cranks out, it. like just yes. cranks it out. Yeah, it was the perfect start to that night where we got it. And and I think that's when I no, it was uh, DC or Alex's helmet because I was a fire guy now, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. So I wandered into your room and stuff, and I just like you know what, I want a white helmet. And I Make put my own. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> put the white helmet on, and I was a big deal for a night. <laughs> no one can stop you. You had a white helmet. On. Exactly. You know what it's like, right? You don't have to know anything about the fire service. You yeah. just you have the white. Work, helmet. work hard, play hard comes to mind with oh, some man. of those exercises. Oh man. Yeah. True story. <laughs> okay, so man, our that's just our history, right? We're obviously not going to get through everything. There's going to be lots to talk about through multiple podcasts, but let's talk a little bit more about you and your, right? So you didn't actually grow up fire per se. We were on these two very different backgrounds and paths. And then all of a sudden they're merged. Mm -hmm. And I think that you fit into the growing up family rather perfectly now, right? Yes, you're not a firefighter, but you know, your time with Task Force and your time with Search and Rescue Alberta and all the work that you've done on all these deployments, you know, you could talk the talk, walk the walk, you got the black dynamite helmet, you oh, got man. the white helmet. Yeah. You know, you're all you're yeah. all I can now. ride a floor cleaning machine <laughs> as well as McConnell. As good as Patrick McConnell can. <laughs> Maybe don't put you out there in the forest putting out a fire, but the floor That's cleaning true. machine. And is let's easy. be clear, I can get on and off it way easier than he could because he's not that tall. <laughs> oh, see, now he's going to want to come back on the podcast. Yeah, a rebuttal. Shot, shots yeah, fired. Yeah. Right? The other thing, too, Jamie, is you know, part of my work is obviously all over the place working with fire departments and whatnot. So I think it's been really interesting in that. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but I know the fire service almost better than people within the fire service know it because when you're part of the system, it's like a fish in a fishbowl, right? You don't know you're in water. Yeah. And so having the ability to bounce in and out and have a different perspective, but a huge a respect for the fire service to some pretty good knowledge of it, but also most importantly, knowing the kind of women and men that join the fire service you know, knowing what motivates them and whatnot, I think it's been it's been really, really interesting from that perspective and just having the universe kind of just, you know, start to put us together. So it's been really interesting. And you see it. You see the overlap now. Like maybe we were the first ones for Search and Rescue Alberta to be a fire department, but there's certainly more fire departments involved in it now mm -hmm. than there was. You know, task force is made up of people from every walk of yeah. life that you mm -hmm. can think of. And so working together for that common mission critical stuff. To me, like a lot of those things work together. And then when you're doing your training, you talk a lot about the hurricanes. And so I don't think we're doing anyone any favors if we don't tell a few hurricane stories. Mm -hmm. Those are things that you got to do that other people on this planet just don't get to do. Yeah. Oh man. I don't even know where to start. Right. So hurricane Katrina headed down there, you know, just it, it, I, oh boy. So we went down our first deployment. I was down at Katrina for a number of days and then headed down for Hurricane Rita, which hit a few couple of weeks later. But we were deployed into Mississippi and Louisiana. One thing we were assigned to a U.S. National Guard unit. You know, one story that actually really stands out, you know what it's like, the kind of double-edged sword of being humble, 
you know that whole humble, confident, proud, and you know it's a mixed bag. Of oh my gosh, it's terrible! <laughs> it's terrible. Like, am I self marketing? Like, am I am I a big deal? Like, I know I'm a big deal. And just, just ask you or anyone. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I have affirmations on my mirror. My kid's like, "You're an idiot." And I'm like, "Dude, no." I also wanted to address that too in terms of this line of work requires a huge amount of self belief and confidence because I don't want people I'm working with to be second guessing themselves. I don't second guess myself. You know, when you're going in, you're being brought in to alleviate human suffering and, and save lives and all the rest of it. It's that balance, right? Of humility, because if you're humble, then you're still curious. You don't know everything. So even telling stories is horribly uncomfortable in that because it's not about me. I wasn't the only one and all the rest. So I, I want to, but we even talk about like, so when I talk about ego, turf time and money all the time, but I also would say, do you want a firefighter without any ego? Exactly. Do you Absolutely. want a cop without any ego? Right. Yep. EMS, search. Like, I think we have to be confident in what we do. It's going to create some ego. It's about managing yeah. the ego, yeah. right? Yeah. And not, not turning it into a weapon against something else or some other idea or somebody else, right? Yeah. So. yeah. And what I appreciate too is, uh, you know, because you do a big disaster and then you go on the conference circuit for two years and talk about how many lives you saved and all the rest of it. And what's the best, you know, the best part is even because it's a small community. And what I've recognized over the years is, is having the, the opportunity to do a bunch of these things. And then you go through these various conferences and whatnot. And what I really love is sitting in a conference and somebody's talking about stuff that you did. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like it. and it's like, dude, hey. or do that. You weren't even <laughs> like, you were like, you know, with all due respect yeah. and it's important to sweep you floors were, in the, the EOC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to scribes, but don't make it something that it's not. You know what I mean? And it happened on one conference in particular. There's different ways of approaching this, but I have, it's always been interesting to me on like, hey, you know what? You do you and go ahead. And so anytime I speak, it's with the intention of being of service to others, just like you. Like, it's not about you. Yes. You know, Slave Lake, yeah. you've written that one for a decade for Chrono. There you go. Lake, yeah. right? Like, what but, is it? I never even heard of it. <laughs> yeah. The, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, so any stories I tell, I'm always hyper. It makes me actually uncomfortable a lot of times. But so, yeah, I headed down to Mississippi and uh, Louisiana. And one of the stories that really stands out is... Um, we're going into properties or areas that had not seen external help at all. And uh, it was government-sponsored housing, primarily folks that literally didn't have the means to evacuate. You know, we can say all we want about, you know, could they or should they have and all the rest of it. That wasn't, it's not up to us to decide, but the place we went, literally, they weren't able to. They didn't have vehicles and all the rest of it. So we're the first ones into these various areas. And I remember this is a, an experience that really stands out in that, I'm with uh, with a National Guard dude from Georgia, big, huge dude, Baba. That was what he wanted me to call him. So we're walking. There's this complex, I think, 127 properties. And it's like plus 45, you know, and for a Canadian, like yeah, minus 45. Dying. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> Never let a little bit it. every minute. Oh my God. My, you know, like just everything just soaked. I'm horribly uncomfortable. And I'm like, why do you guys live here? Like, this is nuts. And then they're, why do you live up there? So we're walking me and Baba and we're going to do a bunch of assessments. And again, like we're checking on properties that, you know, Hey, Mrs. Smith and 111 haven't heard from her since the event. It's like you go in and you, you literally don't know. You literally don't know. So as we're walking, there's just this stench of, you know, crap. 
Like, oh, wow, that's uh, that's pretty powerful. As we walk, there's a, a swimming pool in this complex. There's a bunch of kids walking around it and they're playing and stuff and they're covered in, I don't know what it is at that particular time, but it turns out to be feces. So as we're walking, Bubba yells out. He's like, no, 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 stop, stop. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, hey, that's shit. Sorry, <laughs> that's verbatim. And uh, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, what? He's like, no, 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 that, that's bad. That's bad. No more, no more. So we walk up and there's these these kids. There, You know, there's a few kids between age maybe 8 and 13 or so. So what was happening was so they have wheelbarrows in these white five-gallon buckets. And so when talking to these kids, what was happening was no running water or anything like that, obviously, in, in these complexes, especially now. So the residents would do number one and number two in these white buckets and leave it outside their unit. And these kids would go around in a wheelbarrow, gather it, and then throw it into the swimming pool. And yeah, like let's count the ways that that's probably not the best idea in the entire world, right? Like I'm not a, I'm not an OH&S guy. I'm not a public works dude. <laughs> yeah. How much chlorine does it take? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so these kids, and they had no idea. You really see the really interesting parts. And then, then you come back home and then you try to describe it if that ever comes up and all the things. Like, it's not like it's a Friday night and you're at my rave, you know, with my listening and I'm telling more stories. You don't have areas that are like that. Exactly. Like exactly not, right. Yeah. yeah. And to see that event. And I know even for me, something I've recognized over the years is there is a point in every single deployment, big, small, whatever, where there's a, either a split second or five seconds of like, wow. You know, I saw it with Pine Lake tornado. I saw it in Fort Mac. I saw it, all the things. There's a moment for me that I've recognized in myself that's like, huh, interesting. And I've learned to also just view it with curiosity, not judgment, but it's like, hmm, interesting. Give yourself that five seconds, that one minute of like, holy smokes. And then guess what? Get her done. Get back to work. Get back to work. That's why we're here. And don't be emotional, but have emotions around it. Because to do what we do, you have to give 110% to do it properly. And, and that's why we're here. It's You know, it's crazy. I don't, did you ever run into Roy Langer? He was with the Salvation Army. Yes. Okay. So yes. so this guy, he came to Slave Lake and he he was our debrief guy. So mm. he was with the Salvation Army, but he was like a big PTSD guy. And I would just tell you, like, obviously... Uh, had a church background and upbringing mm-hmm. and, but didn't bring any of that dust, just like he's with Salvation Army. And so I just thought to myself, like, there's a guy with a belief system that couldn't be compromised. You know, he works with PTSD. He'd been to all the hurricanes, he'd been to all the disasters. You know, he sat through our big, huge crying hug fests that we had as we're trying to debrief through Slave Lake burning. And I just thought like, there's the strongest guy on earth. Like he just got us through it all. And then, you know, fast forward almost 10 years later and I meet him at a conference and and I'm like, are you okay, man? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I've just been through like the three worst years you could imagine, Jamie. Like PTSD caught up to me and all of the mental health issues and all the health issues and all the, and I was just, it was the first time that I can honestly admit that I was a bit terrified for myself because mm-hmm. I always like, I'm built for this. I can handle mm-hmm. this. There's mm-hmm. nothing that could get me. I'm right. I've been, like you've seen a lot of horrible, horrible things, been through stress that you can't believe you always assume you'll be okay. Yeah. And then here I am, this guy that I'd put up on the biggest pedestal you could imagine, 
that I just thought, wow, like that guy got me through the darkest moments and he's like the strongest guy I know with the biggest belief system I've ever heard of. And, and he knew all the technical parts of the gig. He knew about the emotional oh, part, the whole so thing. So right? much, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and it caught up to him. And mm-hmm. so it's the first time in your life where you're like, oh, like it, it really could get me. Like this is a real. And so, you know, as my career progressed past that and I started to see what stress can do to the body, mm-hmm. I thank him for that you know, sharing that story with me and seeing him those times that I did because I, I knew what was happening and got out before it got that bad. But man, like yeah. the toll, you talk about the toll that you pay to be part of this. It's, it's incredible, right? No one tells you how much your piggy bank can hold. No, no, right? no, no. We just keep throwing quarters in there. <laughs> and here's the thing too, you know, you can take all the courses you want, but nothing prepares you for the scale of what you see particularly on larger disasters. And one thing, you know, and I don't mind saying too, I will have a good, ugly cry fest often after deployment, not because I'm sad, you know, I'm not disappointed, but it's that adrenaline. It's all the things. Gotta and, get this all out of Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I remember uh, floods, High River. I cried, ugly cry from Airdrie to Leduc as I'm driving. And that's just something I know that is just part of how I need to cope with it. And I'm okay with that. And there's no full vulnerability, right? On a podcast, I'm telling that. But what's always interesting to me is that through modern transportation, you can go into a disaster area. And then half an hour later, you're driving through a community where people are mowing their lawns and they're putting the garbage out. Don't even know there's a problem. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've just spent 10 days- A salesman calls you from Toronto trying to sell you something. Uh, like, completely, hey, yeah. asshole, maybe you never heard, 35% of our town burnt down. Yeah, like, yeah, right. yeah, Epcor, your, your bills do. <laughs> yeah, really? Right? Yeah, like, do you think I'm- clue, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cut that frigging power off right now because like, you know, that's exactly, and that's the part I find that I have to be very aware of. And, and I think that we need to be a lot more deliberate in what that transition looks like. But that's a whole different different conversation. Yeah. But we're human. You know, I love, and and so uh, you didn't want me to talk about your book much, but I don't really care what you say. So that is, there, that's but you have a your one to one hundred leadership solution book. I can remember I got this, and I was like, you have like a let's call it a if it's a low, medium, high, right style. I would consider myself to be like the hard charging, not high as much as hard charging, old school. That's how I was brought up. That's how I remember the fire service. And then there'd be like the low to me would be like the maybe too snowflakeish some days around the place. Right. And so I always use yours as the, the medium ground. Right. So how do I pull myself back from being the super hard charging crazy guy, but also how do I deal with the, you know, maybe the, let's just say it, the too liberal or the too snowflake Mm -hmm. type person that uh, I struggle with. Mm -hmm. And so your book really helped me to be like, how do I get back to that, that medium place where I'm not too hard and I'm not too soft, Mm -hmm. but I can still get things done. So, you know, for me to say this to you, take it as a big compliment. It was a grounding experience to read your book and say, Hey, there's bigger things Mm. at work here than I'm always thinking about. Right. I would say I used to always think of things in my perspective and my way down my set of tracks without broadening my horizons to the other. You give me credit probably where it's not due sometimes for really working with people and understanding them. But a lot of that comes from taking these courses and reading these books and and kind of understanding that you're probably a little too far one way 
but don't let yourself go too far the other way. And you got to learn how to bring everyone back to the middle. And so when I'm dealing with those difficult things, that's the times that you and I have those talks or I'm reading a chapter in your book or I'm like flipping through your podcast saying, oh, I know he has one on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to find it and listen to it because I need to find my way back to the middle. Right. And so that's what I love about all of this is that every time we're doing a podcast, doesn't matter if it's you or me or whoever's out there, you're bringing in all these different perspectives, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to listen to 100% of me. No one wants to listen to 100% of you. We need all these different perspectives yep. to help us build into where's that comfortable space where we can operate and everybody can stay happy. And it's different for everybody. And I recognize too, when you and I talk, or if I talk to anybody for, and first of all, thank you for the compliment. Allegedly, I'm supposed to be better at receiving compliments, which I think is BS. It makes me uncomfortable, but whatevs. My therapist is saying receive better. So I'm trying to listen. Yeah, I'm trying to listen. Sucks. But the other thing too, I think that people get locked into some sort of a perception on how they should be or how they're supposed to be is probably a better way of putting it. And at the end of the day, my job, my friendships, everything is just around, have you considered this? Because I'm not you and I'm not in your situation. So here's some considerations around, but ultimately right looks like is determined by you, you know, the individuals and whatnot. And, and I think something a lot of people forget in any leadership position, but fire service in particular, you know, there's the call versus the hall. The call is not the hard part. In fact, That if you could do calls all day long, you would never have an HR issue. You would never have any controversy, anything like that, because it's clear. Chain of command is clear. All the things. That's why deployments rock. Because it's all action and no downtime. Yeah, it's like rolling a, a, pulling the pin on a grenade, rolling it into a closed door and closing it after. And you're like, okay, peace out. I'm bouncing. Yeah, we're in here. Yeah, I got to go do my PowerPoint for the AEMA summit that's coming up. Yeah, I, I booked it knowing full well I was coming down to this deployment. You so. know what? Just because I bumped you a few times, get over yourself. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, let's just put you're an easy act to follow, right? We talked you earlier. Be a number two after no, me. no, no. This is like a bag of flaming dog crap, Jamie Coots. And then, okay. So I as long as I can it. string a sentence together after yours, I think. It's a home run. I love it. You, you can find all of this on his ddbtube.com Thank YouTube you. channel. Or, Shameless. Where of course, he would uh, absolutely tell you how awesome his presentation is. <laughs> Just ask me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's get to this, right? In my world, in my sphere, you're one of the leadership people that I go to, right? And so we never set this up. So sorry. The, there's a couple of blank spaces in here. But top three things that you think that the fire service could do to improve leadership across the board? First of all, recognizing that you're not in the, you know, put the wet stuff on the red stuff business. It's not about pumps and hoses at all, at all. Um, Recognizing that we were just talking about capital expenditures and trucks and 1.2 million, all that. Cool. Great. That's critical, obviously. But people in the fire service are not in the firefighting game. You're in the people business. And people are the same across the world. So the quicker you can recognize that this is not an operational problem, like I'm as a chief or deputy chief or whatever, as you go up through the ranks, you are now dealing with people and people are infinitely complex. 
So make a fire truck look easy. <laughs> uh, completely. Exactly. We need more trucks, right? Like to replace these four kind of personalities that are so difficult to navigate. So I think first of all, recognizing that people are difficult to deal with. They just are. So just like an initial response on a fire, it is just initially chaotic. It's difficult. You have to do a good size up, right? Figure out what you're dealing with. Just approach it. You come up with a bunch of options and really try to navigate what that looks like. But I can tell you that if all you have is a hammer, every problem's a nail. And so really thinking- Wait, 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 go back. Wait, what's that saying If again? all you have is a hammer, every problem is a nail. Love that. I've wow. seen that so much in my life. Yes, because if you're lacking the tools and all of the, and the desire, nobody cares if you're not good at it. What they care about is that you're trying and that you show up. You know what I mean? Like just, Hey chief, but at least you're trying and you're struggling through this. I get it. So just recognizing that, that the people business, that's what you're in. And so the skills that got you here won't get you there. So the things that made you a, a good firefighter, things that made you a good LT, the good captain, all those other things, your toolbox has to expand from just that, the technical pressures and hose, all that stuff. And you know, as well as anybody, as you go up through those ranks, those are the least of your problems. You know, we often hear them talk about in the fire service about being promoted to the point of incompetence, mm -hmm. which is probably this change you're talking about where you have to, you, you were a great firefighter. Will you be a great Lieutenant? If you were a great Lieutenant, will you be a great captain? Not unless you grow and change and Okay. Yeah. So first recognize you're in a people business. So you need to start to expand your horizons. I don't mean that condescending, but it's like any other leadership's a skill. It's no different than your 1001s or whatever. Like it is an actual discipline and, and it's a lifelong journey. So first of all, just recognize that, get out of your own way. Second one too is um, like it or not, society has changed and continues to change. And that's, that's a way bigger conversation. So here's a question and I literally I pose it often and I'm curious from, from your perspective, are houses burning more quickly than they ever were? Yes or no? It's too complicated to right? say yes or I would say yes. Yeah, like, generally, you know, like, yeah. you know, like the wind, the yeah, material. Exactly. The, houses yeah. are built yeah. closer together, all say, of those we'll other things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a really big public expectation to respond quickly and put the fire out? Monster expectation. Yes, absolutely. It's the only expectation. Agreed. Agreed. And if you lose one house, that's bad. If you lose two, that's catastrophic. Three, it's like, uh oh. Like, what is going on here? There's no tolerance for what's going on. So all of those things, it's more difficult, right? Your operational environment's getting way, way more difficult. So do you sit back and you say, you know what? This is tough. We're not leaving the hall. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not engaging in this. This is hard. I don't know what we're going to be doing. People are scary. Yeah, yeah. People, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like, man, there's like, you know, all sorts of stuff in garages now. They might now. put something on Facebook yeah, about yeah. us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you don't stay in your hall. What do you do? You adapt, you overcome, you change, you learn new skills, you get- all Double your efforts. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. That's the Hulk smash kind of thing, right? Let's just throw I more- I didn't say triple. I only doubled. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Double. Very efficient. <laughs> So the lesson there is, you know what? Society's changing. People are changing. People have changed. So you, as the leader in your organization, lean in and learn. Figure this out. Don't use up a barrier these millennials. Like, are you kidding me? That is such an easy cop-out, right? Kids these days. Here's the other thing. Newsflash. Guess what our parents were saying 
You know what I mean? <laughs> Still say it. Yeah, day. like kids, kids these days. So that's number two is is lean in on it because it's a cop out to say, oh, kids these days or whatever, right? That's only putting up a barrier for you. Third one, boy, recognize that most people, not all, but most people want to do a good job. You know, nobody for the most, you're going to get the 2%. Right, that don't, and that's part of any organization. But at the end of the day, people want to do well. Then rarely does a firefighter or a chief or anybody wake up in the morning like, oh, stretch. I'm going to go into the hall. I'm going to f it up. I'm, I'm going to suck all. Day. Absolutely, yeah. I'm going to be hard to get along with. I'm going to resist change. You know, I'm going to usurp the chain of command. All the things. You know, so I think. We need to be kinder to each other and kind and fire service. That's like a grand canyon of a difference. But I think going back to my point around the humanity part of it as leadership, everyone's doing the best they can, including you. And that's the other thing to self-critical. Yeah. Give yourself a break once soon. Absolutely. And I'm not talking woo-woo and all that. That's a whole different conversation around all that stuff. But be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. Because you're in the job, you love doing it. It's a hard job. It just is. And so be kind to yourself and show up and realize that you win some, you lose some. Some fires get away that you wish you kept and maybe in retrospect made a bit of a tactical error, but you continue to engage, right? And so the people part of it, the leadership part of it is all about that as well. You're not going to be perfect, but you know what? One thing that you need to do is show the hell up. That's a big part of it. Be kind, show up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, oh, so, I mean, we could go on for hours. We, we could. Those, yeah. those are three things that, you know, I'm going to tell everyone to listen to this. It's it's important, right? And so I guess my podcast, so I can do whatever I want. I, I'm going to say all this stuff one more time because people need to learn from you, man. So One in 100 Leadership Solution is your book. They can get that from Amazon. And it's an easy read. So all firefighters will be able to work through it. Right. You can use crayons on it. We've already discussed that. <laughs> Your YouTube channel is ddbtube.com, right? So they can see all these things that we're talking about, hear your talks. Lead from the Inside Out is your podcast, right? Your company's name is Exigent, mm-hmm. right? Google it and then Google what it says about it and you'll get it. So for all my fire friends, I'm just trying to help you out here. It does make sense when you get to it all. Daryl is a complex guy and he could teach you, he could break this stuff down for us, right? That, that's what I love about you, Daryl, is that you can take these hard things and kind of turn it into that firefighter lingo that we can understand, right? We saw that from the start. We've done so many things together for mm-hmm. so long, disasters and training and, and events and cross-training exercises. And it's just... Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here today, and I can't wait to go and spend the rest of the day hanging out and, and doing this stuff. Tom Harnos from AMA, I'm oh. out with him yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, of course, yesterday was a big catch-up session of the the million things that we've gone to together, and so this whole weekend has just turned into a, a great thing like that. So I'll definitely have you back. We'll do some more leadership oh, stuff, but uh, thanks for being here today. Thanks for uh, taking it. And I just also want to say, first of all, so grandson, when you're listening to this, your grandpa isn't as awesome as he has made himself out to be. If you need the truth, call me or not or, or, it's not true. or hologram me or whatever it is when <laughs> you're listening to right, this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just come back. <laughs> come back to the future. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And also, sincerely, thanks, thanks for having me on. And thank you for what you're doing and truly being genuine 
being of service to others. That's what it's ultimately all about for all of us. So I think it's fun. I think that's, you know, that's who ends up on this podcast chatting is just a bunch of people that are trying to do the best they can for everybody out there. And there's really nothing in it for us, right? It's just to go out there and try and help out where you can. And that's what I love about this. So yeah. So yeah thanks for having me on. There you go. Growing Up Fire, season two, episode 16, Daryl Black. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.